Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. In order to be redundant, you first must be dundant, and this show sure is dundant. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you back home and on Tuesday. And it feels like fall weather here in the Carolinas, which is uh, really nice compared to the hot and humid of Florida that we were in last week. (laughs) Anyway, on this week's show... So I spent some time goofing around with different ways to remove the ghost of a pipe or remove the ghost out of a pipe uh, and played around with the coffee method and the kosher salt method. And you'll get my summary of that. My guest is Professor Jeremiah from YouTube and from the Pith Helmet matinees. And uh, he's, he's a character. That's all I got to say. So you get to you get to meet him. Uh, music mailbag and a rave all that coming up on this week's episode of the pipes magazine radio show which i guess technically kicks off uh, year number nine of these shows so yeah we started in uh september of uh 2012 so here we go <laughs> glad you all hung with us for all this time um anyway uh so yeah i was down in orlando uh did not go to walt disney world at all i mean we walked around some of the shops at disney springs um but uh we were down there to help my son and his fiance set up their house and uh her uh, her father was there and her brother was there so it was a whole group effort of moving stuff from apartments and storage units into the house and setting stuff up and uh Anyway, I'm a little sore still, a little sore and a little tired. But the other thing that I that I was quickly reminded was, you know, my son's 20 something, 28. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I've learned over the over the 28 years of 30 years of marriage that, you know, when it comes time to put up a ceiling fan. Yeah, I know how to do that when it comes time to measure and hang blinds. Yeah, I know how to do that. So. I was able to do that stuff for them, and there was uh, IKEA IKEA furniture assembly, and there was some chaos with uh, furniture being delivered and items going missing and stuff like that. But you know, anyway, it was just fun. To, it was fun to help out, and it was also fun to uh, you know kind of see the house come together. So glad we got to do that. Uh, glad I'm back, and I can you know not have to. You know, climb a ladder or, or uh, hang stuff above my head for a while because I'm a little sore. But anyway, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back. All right, so uh, I think, God, maybe four or five months ago, the uh, request from David came through for me to try my hand at the... uh, 
at the uh, salt treatment or my versus my coffee treatment to removing the ghost from a pipe. So uh, it's about, uh, I think about four, maybe about five, six months ago now, I bought a... Um, I bought a batch of pipes on eBay primarily to get one pipe out of that group and had that one pipe professionally cleaned and these other pipes were just sitting around and they're the pipe, the brand doesn't matter. But the idea is with a, uh, with a pipe that is dirty and you want to get the previous ghost out, the idea, there's all these different methods and treatments. There's the pipe retort, which I've never used. Um, there's, you know, the obvious ream and clean. And then I've, I've heard of people filling uh, uh, cotton balls and then putting uh, alcohol in, you know, soaking the, the cotton balls in alcohol and jamming the bowl full and letting it dry. Um, but the two methods that I have used is the salt treatment and the, uh, and the coffee grinds treatment. And both were suggested to me over time of the show, over time in this show. And David wanted to hear a comparison between the two of them. So here's the process I went through. Uh, both of the pipes uh, didn't clean the outsides. Don't care. All I could tell is that the pipes came from somebody who had smoked some sort of vanilla Cavendish. You know, just a light, sweet. Uh, a light sweet ghost in there so it wasn't really dealing with a Latakia ghost or something like that that's a lot stronger or a heavy aromatic ghost but what I did was I reamed the bowls and did the best job that I could with my limited skills and lack of talent I reamed the bowls smoothed down what I did the cake with that I did ream with a little bit of sandpaper on my finger like I would normally do with my own pipes and then uh, based off of uh, Mike from, uh, uh, you know, previous guest Mike and his suggestion of doing, of using the kosher salt, I did kosher salt and filled it, you know, filled the bowl with kosher salt, filled the bowl, poured in some uh, denatured alcohol and cause I don't like using isopropyl and then put a pipe cleaner, you know, I put a pipe cleaner up the draft hole so that nothing would leak out through there and I, again, I'm just working on the bowls. And then I did the same thing with some coffee, just some dark roast. I made a full pot of dark roast coffee, took the coffee grinds, used a little scooper, and packed them wet into the other pipe and let both of them sit for, I think, a total of four days before I started to goof around with them. Um, so here's what I noticed right away. First of all, I like the smell of coffee better than I like the smell of kosher salt with uh, denatured alcohol in it. Um, I like the smell of coffee with water better than alcohol. So, uh, so right away, I, I had to make sure that I wasn't biased towards the coffee one. Um, but I did notice that the coffee one left maybe a little bit of a coffee smell to it. Cause once I, so once I took all the stuff out and dumped it all out, then I took a pipe cleaner with ever with dipped in Everclear and wiped around inside the bowls and then let, and used a pipe cleaner again to clean out as much residue or you know, dust or whatever. Um, and then I let them sit and dry again overnight. Um, so the one with the coffee in it smelled a little bit like coffee to me just maybe maybe psychosomatically but it smelled a little bit like coffee to me 
the one with the uh, with the kosher salt didn't really have a smell, but I did notice, and I don't know if this is from the salt drying out the remnants of the cake, but I did notice that it left a little bit more cracking in the, a little slight cracking to the interior of the cake. Or, yeah, it looked like the cake was coming up, you know, was separating a little bit in a few spots. So maybe I overpacked it, maybe I left it in there too long, maybe I did something wrong, but I will say that it did smell a little bit cleaner, but I think I would be a little more careful with the salt and the alcohol than I would with the coffee grinds. Uh, the coffee grinds, yeah, again, it just left, uh, to me, it had a little bit of a coffee hint to it. Um, and that just could, again, it, you know, it's coffee. So I would imagine it's going to send flavors both ways. Um, but just by using the smell test, I really couldn't smell any of the remnant tobacco at all in the uh, kosher salt, uh, the kosher salt one. And I couldn't smell much of the tobacco in the, in the other one. So I think both of them did a good job. I think the coffee one, if you don't like the flavor of coffee, stay away from it. If you don't have a enough coffee grinds handy to do that, stay away from it. Cause they've all got to be wet all at the same time. Uh, if you've got kosher salt, and some uh, denatured alcohol well that might be the way to go uh i wouldn't leave it in maybe as long as i did because maybe the salt started going into so maybe just 24 hours and that would be the end of it for me uh and that would be my advice to you so again the salt treatment seemed to work a little bit better coffee treatment's fine for me because most of the time when i'm smoking my pipe i'm having you know it's it could be uh, could be I have a cup of coffee with me. All right, there you go. Thoughts and opinions, please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, Professor Jeremiah. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and visiting with us now is a... Uh, a personality that it turns out I actually met you in person and I'm sorry I don't remember but I, apparently I was nice so I was sober um, and it wasn't too early in the morning so I wasn't too cranky but uh, Professor Jeremiah who has been doing videos on YouTube for a while now and in particular the pith helmet matinees which are fun and we're going to learn about that but uh, Professor Jeremiah welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it, Brian. It's great to be with you. All right, so let, let's get to know you. Where did you grow up, and when did you start smoking a pipe? Well, I, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, and I first started smoking a pipe when I graduated high school. We won't say when that was, but uh, <laughs> a number of years ago. And, uh, you know, I, my father had smoked a pipe, and... The first pipe that I bought, I think I had owned it for maybe a year before I lit it up. It's a <laughs> corn cop, which I bought in uh, Pigeon Forge. Uh, some of you who might be familiar with Pigeon Forge, there's the old mill 
that's there. Yeah. And uh, they, I bought a little gift shop at the mill. Uh-huh. And so uh, at that time, the only blend that I really knew of was Captain Black. That's what my dad smoked. And so uh, it was kind of a hit or miss for many years just smoking Captain Black. <laughs> and uh, later the, the, the adventure picked up in about, uh, I guess, about 2008. Uh, was when I really started discovering that there was a lot more blends out there than just Captain Black. Yeah. All right. So what what happened to you? What what made you uh, see the light? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know how I missed it all those years. I would go into a tobacco shop and I'd buy a cigar, and I guess I was walking past all the pipe tobacco. But in 2008, I was in London, and I went to the Sherlock Holmes Museum. Mm-hmm. And when I was there at their gift shop, they had uh, pipes that they were selling, and they also had tobaccos. And, of course, I bought a, a tin of Sherlock Holmes, mm. and they also had Squadron Leader. <laughs> and it was a tobacco I had heard of, and I was like, I've got to try this. Now, I can tell you, it Squadron Leader did not agree with me until maybe the third or fourth bowl. And by the time I got to the fourth bowl, I was like, this is wonderful. But the first bowl, I, I was ready to give it up. <laughs> I, I'm picturing somebody going from Captain Black for a long time to squadron leader and wondering if, you know, would you, that's like sticking your finger in a light socket. Oh, it, it, it was the first uh, couple of bowls for sure. And uh, the Sherlock Holmes, I really enjoyed it. But I can say that uh, I opened a 10 of it not too long ago, and I, I was like, I can do without this. So I don't know. It's kind of hit or miss, I guess. So uh, uh, let's go back for a minute. So the gift shop at the Sherlock Holmes Museum was selling tin tobaccos and uh, and pipes and accessories? They were. Now, whether they still are doing that, I don't know. Uh, it, I, you know, now that I know more of kind of Britain and their, their rules of tobacco, it's a bit surprising, but uh, that was back in 2008. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that that had to be fun. So that was so you so the uh, so the good Sherlock Holmes uh, kind of opened your eyes to the rest of the world of tobacco. Yeah, it, it did. And when when that ten of uh, Squadron Leader ran out, I, I was at that time living in Nigeria. And I felt like I've got to do something. I've got to get some more tobacco. And in Nigeria, the only pipe tobacco you could get was Captain Black. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, uh, I I started trying to find places. I was like, somebody has to ship overseas. And the first that I ran across shipping overseas was uh, 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 smoking pipes. So... uh, I ordered from them, and it arrived in about a month in Nigeria, and they didn't really charge me much customs at that time. And so I I just went through their site, not really knowing what blends I would want other than Squadron Leader, and I just ordered uh, two ounces of several different blends. And that is kind of how it all got started as far as uh, really branching out in 2008. Wow. All right, so what were you doing in uh, in Nigeria? 
so I worked as a missionary in the uh, deep bush, uh, and basically to explain what deep bush means, uh, no electricity, no running water, uh, no cell service. And uh, my coworker and I, we ran a, a medical clinic. And we also had a, a trade school just teaching uh, young boys in the village area some simple uh, woodworking skills, uh, plumbing skills. And even though there was no electricity, we taught them some basic uh, electrical skills, basically in hooking up lights that you can have a small generator and having uh, your house lit that way. So uh, things were going pretty good uh, when we were there, and we always enjoyed a, a nice smoke and the uh, afternoon after lunch and uh, another uh, smoke in the evening after uh, eating supper. Wow. Now, is that one of the, uh, I mean, is that kind of like the scene where you might hear the elephants roar, you know, trumpeting in the background late at, you know, at night or uh, you might hear the occasional tiger roar and a, and a snake slither by? Uh, no elephants or tigers we would hear baboons on the mountain barking and so there was a lot of baboons in our area and the villagers actually hunted baboons for meat and other monkeys for meat and interesting enough if the villagers were to kill uh, a mother that had a baby they would bring me the baby and i ended up raising i had four baboons and about 12 monkeys all as pets so wait, wait a second. In, in, on top of being Professor Jeremiah, now you're a monkey's uncle. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you did. So it, it was a it was a lot of fun. I'll say the baboons. Though that may be intimidating, uh, the baboons uh, were a lot more docile and easier to deal with than a monkey. <laughs> okay. Okay. Why? Because I I've, I've got to ask. The monkeys can move real fast, and their teeth are razor sharp. So you got to be, you got to be pretty agile. But a baboon, I normally describe them as a dog with thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they were a lot of fun, though. Uh, and it, sometimes we would have to occasionally turn one down just because it'd be too old, and when the villagers would bring it to us, or we would just have so many that would keep you pretty busy. Uh, but we had a full working farm and used that farm to teach the villagers techniques that they could use to improve their life. Wow. So the people in our village, they had never raised rabbits before. And basically in our setting, uh, I wouldn't tell the people I'm teaching you to raise rabbits. I would just start raising rabbits. So we started out with four rabbits and rabbits do what rabbits do. <laughs> and we ended up with about, 75 rabbits and villagers are like wow we we want a rabbit and i said well i just don't know i you know i don't know you'd have to have a cage and you'd have to be able to feed it and oh i, I want to buy one from you i want to buy one and i'd say well uh, let me just see and and so it's it may sound bad but you're almost building this thing that they're coveting that <laughs> maybe not the best word for a, a pastor to say but <laughs> they would they would have this desire so that then when they did finally get a rabbit from me they were serious about it 
<laughs> and we saw a number of villagers start raising rabbits, which then was a good way to provide their family with some meat uh, that before they weren't doing anything like that. Uh, so you, you kind of became the P.T. Barnum of rabbit sales. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one way to put it. I like it. <laughs> All right, so um, so how long were you there? Are you still there, or where are you now? Uh, well, now I'm in Mississippi, and uh, long story short, uh, my coworker was actually kidnapped uh, in Nigeria at one point. I was here in the States purchasing a vehicle to ship overseas, and uh, he was held for six days, Oh boy, was eventually released. But when we returned to Nigeria, planning on continuing our work as normal, uh, the government told us we could not stay in that village, that it was not safe. And they said, choose another place. And we really couldn't see making the investment again to build an entire mission station. Or And, and really, we felt called to be in the area that we were in. But if you're told you can't be there, you can't be there. So yeah. we looked around and we ended up moving to Mississippi. So we we do a very similar work here, minus the uh, minus the medical end of it. We aren't involved in the, the medical end of work here, but we uh, are working with young people in the area and just teaching some basic skills uh, and in many ways skills that the average young man in pat in the past would have learned from their father. That's basically what we're teaching young people here. And, and it's pretty much the same except for no baboons that you have to raise. Yeah, no baboons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about the Pith Helmet Matinee and more with Professor Jeremiah. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. back on the pipes magazine radio show uh visiting with professor jeremiah do you, uh, do you think any of those monkeys or baboons named a named an offspring after you once you you know once you raised them and let them free <laughs> uh, maybe you know yeah. maybe one did yeah i mean you know we have king kong you might be a cult hero amongst the baboons of nigeria <laughs> we um we, we took a, a number of them to a wildlife park, and in the wildlife park, they, they had some cages that they had, big cages that they had some of the baboons in. And uh, one of our baboons, he had been very difficult when we were raising him. 
partly he was a little too old by the time I got him. And when I did get him, the, one of the female baboons I had wouldn't let him go. She basically was raising him as hers. So when we went to the park to visit him, he had been there for a little over a year. And as soon as he saw us, and as soon as I called his name, oh, he was so excited. I never saw him that excited when I owned him. But <laughs> when, when, he, when he saw us at the park, he was pretty excited. So his name was Bill. And uh, I guess his surrogate mother's name was Edna. <laughs> and he's got probably baby little Professor Jeremiah's that he's raising now. Maybe. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to pipe smoking. Um, I, I, I'm guessing when you're when you're abroad in the bush, you've probably got a pretty limited pipe rotation of maybe one or two pipes. Uh, well, you might would think so, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a pipe cabinet with about sixty pipes. Wow. Now, did those come back or did they get uh, kidnapped too? Uh, no, most all of them made it back. Uh, I still have a couple there that I can uh, uh, choose from in case I suddenly find myself back there. Uh, there's a few pipes that I didn't bring back to this side of the, the sea. Uh, I, I did bring most of them back, and uh, I guess then somebody would say, well, how many pipes do you have? Uh, I would say... In my regular rotation that gets smoked probably over a two-month or so period, about 120. Wow. All right. Well, good. And and then the other the other question that I like to ask people, especially people of faith, is you know no problem with having faith in smoking. Not on my end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I you know I know a number of people have a problem with it. And for that reason, I don't really broadcast that I smoke a pipe. Uh, I, I obviously, I have a YouTube channel, but I'm not putting it out in my actual name. So that may clarify the Professor Jeremiah. So uh, I'll tell you a good pastor friend of mine that dips, and his congregation knows that he dips. Well, one of the older ladies in his congregation one day was coming down hard on him about him dipping. And uh, he's a um, strong personality, the pastor is. So <laughs> he said, when she said that about him dipping, said he took a couple of steps back and held his hands out like he was a, a movie director framing her up. And he's like, now, sister, are you in your target weight as far as what your doctor says? <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, I mean, oh man, she was, she didn't know what to say. And uh, he said, I tell you what, when you get within your target weight of where your doctor wants you, come back and then we can talk more about me dipping. <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, please turn your hymnals to page. Shut up. Um, yeah. I didn't say that, did I? So, uh, so you know, I, I mean, I, as I say, I know it's controversy for some, but uh, I, I, you know, I try not to roll away into those waters. <laughs> so, why the name Professor Jeremiah, and then why the uh, why do a YouTube channel? Well, uh, the YouTube channel came about. I, I guess it was maybe about ten years ago, or, or a little more. Then I ran across a, a gentleman 
named Alan Kerslake. And Alan Kerslake's probably one of the original of the YouTube pipe community. Now, sadly, he passed away a few years ago. But Alan's a Welshman, just embraced pipe smoking and talked about some of the history and just his history. All of his videos are still up there. And so at the time, because of my work in Nigeria, I didn't want to really put my name out there. And so I had been sharing pictures on Flickr using Professor Jeremiah. So <laughs> I just continued using that uh, same persona for the YouTube pipe community. Uh, in regards to the pit helmet matinee, yeah. uh, obviously being a missionary in Africa, I wore a pit helmet. Uh, most people don't realize they actually served a purpose. It wasn't just uh, a colonial um, image. It, the purpose of it is it really keeps your head much cooler than wearing a regular hat. Yep. So when you're in the African sun and a little closer to the equator, you need that coolness if you're outdoors. And with the pit helmet, the trick was for the old timers is you would dunk it in water and then put it on your head. And as it dried out, it would create this cooling effect. So uh, I, I wore a pit helmet every day in Africa uh, when I was in the village. And nobody thought anything of it. Now, maybe if I wore it in the city, you'd have had a few people thinking, well, that's kind of an odd person. But in the village, nobody would think anything about it. Yeah, so, so, the, so the, the traditional pith helmet actually sits up off of your head and gives you some protection against stuff falling on you, as well as letting that air circulate under the hat. Yes, and it, you know, it has the big button on the top, which has cooling vents in it, and it, for those who aren't familiar, the tip is actually cork. So this helmet's very lightweight, and that cork, as I said, absorbs just a little bit of the water when you dunk it in. So uh, there's there was a couple of times there when it'd be very hot, and I would dunk it in water, and my head would get so cool that after a little bit, I'd even take the helmet off because it <laughs> would get so cold in the village. And I didn't have migraines after doing that. So... <laughs> yeah. A lot. Wow. All right. So the pith helmet matinees. Uh, you know, you, you've got a ton of videos on YouTube. The uh, the the YouTube channel is Professor Jeremiah, so that makes it real easy to find. Uh, but the pith helmet matinees in particular are kind of it. It reminds me of a kind of a throwback to the 1950s, 1960s, and you just have friends on and other people to interview, right? That's correct. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Three Rivers, is his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, he's from England. And uh, Steve, his real name, uh, Steve and I just, one afternoon, I was like, you know, hey, Steve, give me a call and, or, or on Zoom. And we met on Zoom, and he didn't even know what I was about to do. And we just launched out into doing the first Head Helmet matinee. And I believe by the time we were at our third or fourth episode, we decided that we would call in a friend of ours from South Africa and Tabo. And so we got Tabo in and interviewed him and made him our first recognized pipe ambassador. And from there, it just grew. We kept contacting other friends of ours in the YouTube pipe community and doing 
little small interviews with them. And uh, then by our sixth interview, we uh, were able to get Bob Gregory um, through a mutual contact. <laughs> and so uh, it just it grew from Bob Gregory. And we, we wanted it to be more of like a variety. So we have a little cartoon in there, and some of you will remember uh, the old Hanna-Barbera uh, cartoon of uh, Commander Mitt Bragg. So we have a little cartoon in, and then we pull in some various clips from people that are just having adventurers. So uh, we ended up with a number of clips of Sir Johnny Scott, which ultimately led to us actually having Sir Johnny Scott, uh, of Walter, uh, Sir Walter Scott uh, Snuff is his Snuff brand for those who might be familiar with it. Wow. I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of work on these videos that some of them are hour, you know, hour plus long and they are really good and really well done. And you've got some great guests. So, uh, keep them, keep them coming, please. <laughs> well, I do appreciate it. Yeah. And we may not have as many, <laughs> we weren't almost doing it every week, uh, during the, uh, heart of the Corona virus, but we did dial back. So it's been about one a month, but I definitely, uh, uh appreciate all the people who have come on and all the people who have viewed them. Uh, they they've been enjoyable, uh, to make. And what I find interesting is, is that since they are so much longer than a normal YouTube video, it seems like people get kind of scared by the amount of time, but you know, if you if you take your laptop or your iPad and turn on the video and sit outside with a pipe and just watch the matinee, that hour flies right by. Yeah, initially, I, initially, both Steve and I didn't want to have them too, too long because we felt like, well, people won't watch them. But the more we put them together, it was too difficult to edit it down and have what you really wanted out of the show. So... Uh, we thought, well, you know, I, I feel like though some of them haven't had as many views as I thought we would, they will be, I think, slow burners in, in time, that they will build up, I think, an audience. And we just wanted to provide something for the pipe smoking community because there's just, there's really not that much out there as far as a variety show. Of course, your uh, podcast. But beyond that, there's not a lot that offers a variety. You might have somebody that's being interviewed, but it's just that interview yeah. and not other content going along with it. Yeah, so who else have you, you – you've had pipe collectors from around the world. We, we talked about Bob, which means that you – in order to get Bob Gregory on a camera like that, you had to have done it early in the morning for you because, you know, he, he, he didn't look too drunk when he was doing it. <laughs> no, he was still sober at the top. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've had uh, uh, one of the YouTube members, uh, Wes Old Khakis. Uh, he's been a wonderful gentleman to have. Uh, Uncle Phil Seller uh, from England. Uh, so we've gotten a number of folks and a new pipe smoker, the Angling Piper, is his uh, YouTube channel, uh, relatively new to the pipe community. So we weren't just uh, gravitating towards big-name people. Uh, then we've had Dell Piper and Malcolm Gate. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but no. uh, he's a British scholar, 
and a wonderful gentleman to have on, an expert really on the field of, of Tolkien, and uh, just a, a wonderful gentleman to have with us as well. And, of course, we had uh, Eric Stokeby with us. That might have broken the screen, but yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then mixed in there also is your other your YouTube videos of where you just do regular reviews and discussions on stuff. And sometimes your discussions go off topic. Sometimes they stay right on topic. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I, sometimes I'll be on my front porch. Sometimes I'm in my office. Uh, I live in a in an old house. Uh, it's a hundred and fifty years old today. Wow. And just a, a wonderful house to move into uh, after having been overseas for so many years. I, I was overseas for about 23 years total. So coming back to the U.S. has been a big shift for me. Before, I would just visit the States for a month or two and then was back overseas. So I was full-time missionary and in that time, I lived in a mine Indian village uh, in Belize for seven years and lived out of a school bus. That's a whole other adventure. <laughs> uh, but uh, and only used a horse and buggy as our transportation. Every uh, Friday, I would make a journey uh, of 60 mile round trip. I would go to a coastal town to get our supplies and then head back to my village. So it was quite a trip to make, but enjoyable. Boy, you've been in places that I could only dream of going, and you've probably been in some places that I would have nightmares if I went. Um, but besides London, are there any other any other places where you've gotten a chance to go pipe shop hopping or, uh, or you know, great world capitals? I, I've been a little bit in Paris, I'll say, if I was choosing between the two uh, between the two cities, I'd rather be in London. Though Paris had the cafes, and I even have yeah. some video of of my coworker and myself at the Paris cafes. That was the best way to end an evening: is sitting in a cafe, smoking my pipe, watching everybody walk by. And I've told people, kind of the the top of that is I'm sitting there smoking creme brulee. And eating cream brulee. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I know some people think of cream brulee as being a sticky, gooey tobacco, but I always tell them it is sticky and gooey, just like the dessert. You just got to pack your bowl very loose, and then it's going to smoke without any trouble. But you're and you're also one of those guys that likes all different types of tobaccos. You're not just pigeonholed into one area. Oh yeah, I, I'm all across the board, and you know I tell people I don't. I don't just go to a Chinese restaurant to eat or a Mexican restaurant to eat. I eat at all of them. And so I'm pretty much that with, with tobaccos all across the board. I will say I, I don't really go for heavy Virginias. I, I will smoke a Virginia Puri mix, but if, if I'm going to smoke a Virginia, it's got to have a little bit of Cavendish thrown in there. Do you dedicate pipes to different styles, or are you just uh, jam it and go? Uh, no, I have a I have a heavy dividing line between my Englishes and my sweeter uh, aromatic tobaccos, but I do for the most part have pipes dedicated to specific blends. 
Now, in Nigeria, I was a little bit more militant about that. Uh, if you've ever seen the little bands that go on a chicken's leg, yeah, or you know, for the wildlife, you know, it's numbering ducks or something. I had little rings that I would slip over my bowl, so I knew what I was smoking, and then I would remove it from the uh, from the stem when I was smoking it. But as soon as <laughs> I finished, I'd slip it back on there. So all of the greens were my uh, bands were all of my uh, English blends, and then the uh, red blend, uh, red bands were all of my aromatics. But I don't do that anymore. I just try to remember nowadays. Well, and then if you saw one of your pipes running off to the neighboring village, you knew it was your pipe because it was banded. <laughs> there you go. Now, I will say, in our village in Nigeria, the only other people who smoked a pipe were the women. I never huh. saw the men smoke a pipe, but the older women would smoke a, a clay bold pipe and would have a bamboo stem. Wow. And I tried to buy those from them a couple of times, but they—they they only sold me the new bowls. Never, I, I never could get somebody to sell me their old bowl. I just wanted not that I wanted to use it because I wasn't sure what they were actually smoking. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I did want to have one just for a, a memento. Well, Professor Jeremiah, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Ready. What is your favorite pipe? Ah, my favorite pipe is a Tomasero Spanu that has a bamboo stem on it. And what is your favorite tobacco? For that, I'm going to have to say I have a, an aromatic that's my favorite. Uh, that would be the Sutliff Vanilla Custard. And I also have an English that's a Sutliff blend, Old Professor. Go figure. <laughs> I wonder who they made that for. Um, or maybe, <laughs> uh, What is your favorite drink? Uh, sweet tea. Boy, you can't get that in Nigeria, can you? No, no. And, it's, and for those in the South, you'll be familiar with Milo's sweet tea. So it's a sweet particular brand uh from the store if you're buying it there it's almost liquid molasses over ice <laughs> basically um, <laughs> when it, they, they, and they put a they put a, a little molasses in it when they make it that's their their secret i've, I've been told and put them on experience it's about 50 percent uh white sugar 50 percent brown sugar and a tablespoon of molasses oh yeah um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A book. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? And if you say a different one than the one I'm thinking of, you'll get two of them. So, <laughs> well, the, number one, I would say, and, and though some would say, how could that be your favorite? One evening, my coworker and I just finished uh, eating dinner. We're sitting there smoking our pipes in the village, our generators running at the background, and somebody comes walking up the pathway to our house, hollering out. And so it was very unusual, and, and suddenly they're knocking on the door, so we think it's a medical emergency. We open the door, and it's a good friend of ours in the village. And he says, they're attacking, they're attacking. 
And we're like, who? And so we start asking questions and find out that there's supposedly this group of men who are attacking the village. And so I quickly run and shut the generator off so we can hear anything that's happening. Uh, my coworker and I both put on bulletproof vests. Oh, boy. And then we go and sit out on the front porch. And we normally were only on the front porch during our medical clinic times. But that evening, we're sitting out there, and it's the cool of the night. We're both smoking our pipes, and there's no sound in the village. And in the end, the village was not under an attack. They had just seen a group of men coming actually to pick up cell phones that they had had charged at a local store that day. (laughs) (laughs) But but it was just sitting there smoking your pipe and nothing, no sound, as quiet as could be. It was just perfect evening, uh, despite the the potential uh, danger that was coming. Yeah. And then I want you to tell the story about episode 46. Oh, yes. Well, so I don't know how I first found your podcast. But <laughs> By mistake. I found it, and, and whenever I would go into go into the city, I would download any videos or any podcast. So I downloaded it thinking, well, I'll check this guy out when I get to the village. So I got to the village and started playing episode 46. And all of a sudden, here's this missionary from West Africa, Jack Carlos. I didn't know him, but everything in this episode, talking about him running a medical clinic, being in a remote location, uh, being a pipe smoker, I I was amazed. (laughs) So I I couldn't believe this was, one, I didn't know there were other missionary pipe smokers anymore. And I say anymore, In times past, a lot of people wouldn't realize this. Uh, Big pipe smokers uh, in times past would be James Chalmers. He was a missionary in the South Sea, uh, good friends of Robert Louis Stevenson. And with Chalmers and his older biographies, and if you get older missionary biographies, all through their biographies are pipe smoking or (laughs) mentioning tobacco snuff. And so uh, Chalmers in his biography, every evening, he would sit on his front porch at the end of the day and smoke his pipe. Uh, Robert Moffat, he had, uh, was a missionary in South Africa and went on to be uh, David Livingston's father-in-law. Wow. And Robert Moffat, uh, all the way to his mission station when he first went there, he's trading the people tobacco just as gifts. He would give every chief that he would come across, he would give the chief a pipe, a tobacco pouch, and a tin of snuff. And can you imagine missionaries today doing that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not in your part of the world where you are now, for sure. Um, (laughs) But it it was, hearing that first episode, 46, just drew me in. I was like, wow, another missionary. So it it was, it it truly became for me being overseas uh, as close of a pipe club as I could have. And that in times what the YouTube pipe community's become as well, especially during this whole time of lockdown yeah. as society's been changing, uh, being able to have Zoom meetups, and uh, I believe you mentioned that recently in, in an episode, just being able to have that virtual pipe club uh, 
uh, fill some of that gap that's been missing with our personal contact with each other. It was divine intervention that you found episode 46, but thank you very much for coming on. Check out professor Jeremiah on uh, YouTube. Well, thank you very much, Brian. And we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. <laughs> This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Uh, do go on YouTube. Check out all of Professor Jeremiah's videos. They're a lot of fun. And I guess I should have asked him if he got any of those monkeys or uh, primates to uh, smoke a pipe with him. That would have been kind of fun. All right. For music for this week, we are going back to uh, Steve Winwood. who, uh, Steve, if you're listening, we'd like to have you as a guest on the show because we're trying to reach out to you. Uh, this week is another uh, another classic Steve Winwood. It's uh, back in the high life again.
That was originally, I believe, from 1986. Back in the High Life again is the name of the album, Steve Winwood, the artist. I wonder what kind of pipe he was thinking about when he was writing that song. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. And in the mailbag, if you have a comment or question, you can email me directly, brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com, or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine, or follow the Pipes Magazine radio show on... uh, facebook or reach out to me on facebook or instagram directly and me personally uh remember if you have travel related um uh, travel related questions i will not be able to book the travel for you anymore but you can still reach out to me and i'm happy to give you my opinion and some direction on where to go and uh yeah you can always book with the uh with another agent at mei travel because they're all really good people all right in the uh, in the mailbag anyway Uh, Paul writes, Hi Brian, hope all is well. I've often heard you recommend that we promote the show on social media. I am an active member on three pipe smoking groups on Reddit. Sorry for the ignorant question, but how best to do this? Is there a link that you suggest we post to introduce fellow pipe smokers to your fine program? Thank you and best wishes, Paul. Paul, that's not an ignorant question. That's a great question. I'm glad you brought it up because I don't think I've ever mentioned it. And thank you for bringing it up. Um, so, uh, you know, you can simply just do a post that says that you just listened to the Pipes Magazine radio show current episode. You can go to Pipes Magazine and go onto the radio show page and click that link up there and share it. Um, if you're listening on, uh, Apple podcast or any of those podcast players, most of them have a share button. So you can share what you're listening to on your social media platforms may not work real well with a Reddit forum post, but yeah, you can share there. And uh, speaking of uh, podcast player format, whatever's uh, you can now listen to the pipes magazine radio show on Amazon podcasts. So there you go. We're, we're now part of Amazon. So I guess that means that you might be able to search my name on Amazon now. I'll have to double check that. That'll be fun. Anyway, Paul, thanks for asking. Um, And this one I like. Uh, Chuck writes, 
Brian, I always enjoy the podcast, but I really enjoyed uh, the episode this week, listening to Tony and Sykes, reflecting on the beginnings of smokingpipes.com. Being a customer of theirs for 15 years, I love the early days stories. Interesting to hear that estates were sampled by the staff. Can't say I wouldn't have been tempted as well. Thanks, thanks to you for years of entertainment and service for collectors and smokers. Regards, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck, you're welcome. Yeah, that was um, that was a um, an unwritten benefit of the company for a couple of us, not for everybody, just a couple of us. And I don't think it's a written benefit of them anymore. And then here's another good one from just another Jim, and Jim writes. Got a kick out of Brian complaining about the tobacco reviewer using an abbreviation for a tobacco blend and in his, in his review of Solani Yellow, and then a few minutes later talking about the RTDA in his interview. Best guess is that it's the Round Tin But Dented Association, although I suppose it might have something to do with aromatics. Good interview, though. All right, Jim, thank you. I'm glad you called me out. Um, the RTDA, for those that don't know, is the Retail Tobacco Dealers Association. That's the uh, uh, that's the that was the first and original name of what is now known as the Premium Cigar Association. And during the time that I worked there, was when it changed from RTDA to IPCPR, which stands for or stood for the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers. So they tried to get dealer out and tobacco out and now they just got pipes out so now it's just the premium cigar association but yeah the rtda the retail tobacco dealers association so there you go glad you thank you call me out anytime you want i love it glad to know uh glad to know people are listening and that i can i can take a poke just as hard as anybody else uh, and then finally, uh, Dino says, that was fun. Tony and Sykes were just terrific. I really enjoyed the background and stories they gave us about smoking pipes and their own tales of the pipe. Uh, there's nothing more to be said after you say Stevie Ray Vaughan. Thank you always for an entertaining show. And Hockey454 says, I was really glad to hear that Brian finally answered the Fast Five. There you go. I answered them. Uh, maybe I'll do them in a year and see if it's changed any. Yeah. Anyway, also a uh, happy new year to all my uh, fellow Jewish brethren. All right. In just a moment, rave time coming up. This is Phil Morgan, general manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. much as I complain about things and whine sometimes, yeah, I've been accused of doing that, and I do it, uh, 
it's important that I point out the things that I like and the things that go well and the things that are good. And that is what I'm going to do right here. And one of those things is Psycho Bunny. Psycho Bunny. P-S-Y-C-H-O. Next word, Bunny. B-U-N-N-Y. Uh, Psycho Bunny is a brand of clothing from a uh, British-American designer that uh, lives in New York. And it's a line of men's clothing that is really nicely done shirts, uh, sweatshirts, you know, uh, polo shirts, really nicely done stuff. All right. Really good fabric, really well made, high end stuff, high end stuff. I mean, like $100 for a polo shirt. But uh, last February, I found the Psycho Bunny outlet store in Orlando and I bought a couple of pieces and I really liked them. So this last trip, we went back down there and... I might have gone a little crazy for Psycho Bunny. Uh, but anyway, the thing that I like about it is that there are some of, you know, some of their shirts have some colors that I would never wear. Some of their designs are interesting. But again, it's really good stuff. The little bunny logo with the, the bunny with the crossbones underneath him looks a little piratey. And then they've got some uh, just some great looking designs that have a little splash of color just to brighten up your outfit. And again, it's all really really well-made stuff. And the two times that I've been in there, the staff has just been absolutely wonderful. So it's really nice to shop in a place where you can get a real good quality shirt, good quality clothing, for, and people that are really friendly. And if you buy it at the outlet store, it's not real expensive. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Psycho Bunny. So check out their stuff. It's fun clothing that is really nicely done, and some of it's more fun than others. So there you go. Uh, watch my Facebook or Instagram. I'll post some pictures of the clothes that I bought as I decide to. All right, there we go. Uh, please continue sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show out wherever you are. Please, uh, comments, questions, suggestions, ideas, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, one more year down and uh, we'll roll right through year nine here coming up. So thank you all for that. Uh, thank you to Professor Jeremiah for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Don't forget to douse that smoking lamp. <laughs>